So does the Bible speak of an afterlife? Well, the answer is yes. Because the soul is immortal. It never ceases to exist. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Welcome back to Praying for You with Evangelist Oliver Oreza. This week's study, we go to the book of Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. The Barner Research Group discovered that 81% of Americans believe in an afterlife. Half of all professing atheists and agnostics believe that every person has a soul and that heaven and hell do exist, and that there is really life after death. And now with your Bible open to Hebrews chapter 9, let's join Evangelist Areza as he leads us into this study entitled, Does the Bible Teach an Afterlife? And thank you, Isaiah. You know, there is something that strikes the conscience of a man when the subject of afterlife is brought up. It's almost like we can't help sit up straight and direct our full attention to the subject. When we think of this this amazing thought, afterlife, what happens to us when we die? Well, the subject of the afterlife speaks to the conscience of a man. You can just about count on a knot immediately swelling up in the stomach when the subject of afterlife is brought up. And I think this next verse here kind of explains why that happens. Reading from Romans chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, the Bible says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so so that they are without excuse. Very important subject we're going to be dealing with today. We're going to ask prayer. We're going to enjoy a beautiful song. And then we'll come back to this topic. What does the Bible say about afterlife and afterlife? Father, we pray now that you'll lead us and guide us as we go into this important study. We ask that your will would be done in every heart and life that's listening. We pray that you would save the nearest soul to hell. We pray that the Spirit of God would move in our hearts, Lord, and lead us to a place of conviction and conversion. Everyone listening to this broadcast is immortal. Their soul will spend eternity either in heaven or hell. Dear God, give us the faith to believe the words of Scripture. We ask now that you'll do a great work in our hearts. Prepare us, Lord, for what happens after we die. For we ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. There's a shadow on the horizon Drawing closer day by day the shadow knows no mercy, for it comes and gathers the soul away. No respecter of any person, it claims the feeble 
through the valley of the shadow man and woman the young the old in the valley of the shadow death will hold no sting for me I'll be For the child of God resting in Jesus Oh, it's just a journey to a heavenly place And the sting of death has been defeated Through the blood of Jesus And a And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. We're thinking about a question, is there an afterlife? Well, from the scriptures, it is very clear that God made man in his own image. Now, I'm laying a foundation for this study here. So to answer this question, is there an afterlife? We have to understand something about the human soul. We have to have some knowledge and some understanding about how we are created and it is and how it's relevant to this thought here is there an afterlife so from the scriptures it's very clear that God made man in his own image of course we're referring to Genesis the Genesis creation we know according to the scriptures that God is a triune God there are three persons in the Godhead the Father the Son and the Holy Ghost and these three are one God, the same in substance, the same in essence, equal in glory, equal in majesty, equal in power. Throughout the Holy Bible, beginning in Genesis, the triunity of the Godhead is revealed to us. I'm reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, and verse number 26. 
And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And then verse number 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Now listen to this, these incredible verses here, and really they'll, they'll, just, they'll make a lot of sense to you when you just listen to them and, and connect these dots. And God said, let us, that's plural, make man in our image. Once again, that's plural. It's referring to the triunity of the Godhead. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And then in verse number 27, the very next verse, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, So God, now singular, created man in his singular own image, in the image of God, created he him, male and female, created he them. You see, friend, within the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost share an equality of divine nature. It is noteworthy, says Pastor Cam, that in the great Trinitarian passages of the New Testament, the Scriptures do not adhere to any rigid sequence when mentioning the divine persons, thereby avoiding any suggestion of superiority or inferiority within the Godhead. Indeed, every possible arrangement of the divine names is found. Isn't this amazing here? I want you to listen to the combination on how these names are mentioned, and it's showing us that all through the New Testament, no one has any less, less uh, superiority than the other. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, mentions in this order, Father, Son, and Spirit. And then in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Father, Spirit, and Son. And then in John chapter 14, verse 16, and 2 Corinthians 13, 14, it gives the order of Son, Father, and Spirit. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, Son, Spirit, Father. And John chapter 14, verse 26, Spirit, Father, Son. And then in John 15, 26, and 1 Corinthians 12, 14, uh, 4, 5, and 6, it's Spirit, Son, and Father. Pastor Cam goes on to say, In every instance, there is a precise reason for the sequence in the context of the verse. The divine persons within the Godhead are the same in substance, equal in power and glory. You see, the truth of the Trinity lays the foundation for the creation of man. Let me make that statement once again. The truth of the Trinity, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Remember, all of them equal. All right, equal, e there's an equality of divine nature there. Um, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, that made his body, and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, that is the Spirit of God, 
Amen. And and when you when the Spirit of God brings life, breathes life into something, then that is eternal. That means he is breathing eternity into that being. God did not breathe life into the animals, but he breathed life into man. Uh, and I'm going on to read here, Genesis chapter 2, verse number, se- uh, verse number 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, that's his body, and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, that's the Spirit of God, and man became a living soul. So the, from these verses, we know that man was created in the image of God. So man is made up of body and soul and spirit or soul and spirit and body, or spirit, body, and soul. But he is made up as a triune being, body, soul, and spirit, just like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. He's made in the image of God. A human soul is the spirit and the body united as one personhood by the Lord God. Listen to this verse here that speaks about the the way that man, excuse me, the way that man is made in the image of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, remember, we started with the question, is there an afterlife? We started with that question. To answer the question, I have tried to biblically establish in just a very short period of time. There are multiple other Bible verses that we could look to, but just so we can cover the ground and help you see this from the Scriptures, which is our final authority in faith and practice, Uh, I think we have biblically established that because man has been created in the image of God, when he faces death, he does not cease to exist. Now, we know that death is the separation of the body from the soul and spirit. Our text verse, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews 9, 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. There's just something in that particular verse, in this topic, that speaks to the conscience of man. Because we know that we are more than just a higher form of animal life. We know that we just not come here, that we just didn't didn't appear here out of nothing, that we're not just stardust like some uh, some people claim. Or we're just not a an amoeba that somehow formed and climbed on a bank and eventually through millions of years evolved into a human being. We know that, that is, there is no grounds. There's no grounds for that in science. There is no grounds for that in theology. We have been made by our Creator in His likeness. 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, and man has made with a body and a soul and a spirit. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So I'm asking you the question, so does the Bible speak of an afterlife? Well, the answer is yes. Because the soul of man is immortal. It will never, ever, ever, ever cease to exist. It is immortal. When your eyes close in death, your body dies, your heart certainly stops beating, all of your organs will cease to have oxygen pumped to them by blood, through blood by the heart, and that body will cease. The life of the flesh is in the blood, and this body is going to die, but my soul will go on into eternity. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And then remember that verse, our theme verse, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You see, when a person dies, the Bible teaches it that there are only two possible destinations to which a soul may go. There's only, only two. And those two destinations are heaven, and then there's hell. Now, I know that there are some religions that teach of a purgatory, primarily the Roman Catholic Church. And let me give you just this simple definition here. This is according to the Catholic Encyclopedia, referring to purgatory, which is never mentioned, ever mentioned in the Scriptures. It might be mentioned in religious books, but it's not mentioned in the Scriptures. This is, a, this is from the Catholic Encyclopedia. Purgatory is a place or condition of temporal punishment for those who departing this life in God's grace, are not entirely free from venal faults or have not fully paid the satisfaction due to their transgressions. Now, friend, I want you to listen to this Bible verse. I'm reading from the book of Romans, chapter 5 and verse 8. I'm quoting this Bible verse to you. The Bible says, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says that is the gospel. The gospel is the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, Jesus died for every sin. He didn't just die for some sins, a selection of sins or certain sins. He died for every single sin that you and I have ever, ever committed. And because He died for every sin that we have ever committed, then that means our sins are paid for because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, because of His death and burial and resurrection. So you see, friend, to think that uh, a person goes to purgatory for temporal punishment 
that they departed out of this life in God's grace, but not entirely free from venial faults, or have not fully paid the satisfaction due to their transgressions, that is contrary to the Holy Bible. There is just no way that you can theologically ever prove that. It just can't be so. You see, to to think that your good works uh, would aid in the salvation of your soul is like a slap in the face to the gospel. It's like a slap in the face to the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Listen to these verses here. I'm reading from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain under this present, but some are fallen asleep. In other words, they've already died. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also, as of one that was born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace which was, was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether if I or they, so we preach, and so ye believe. Now if Christ be preached and he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is vain also. Dear friend, the truth is that Jesus did die for your sins. He was buried and He did rose from the grave. And He did that so you could be prepared for the afterlife. What you have to do is to put every ounce of faith for the forgiveness of your sin and the saving of your soul in the finished work of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 10 verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But nobody ever calls out to be saved until they realize they're lost. And friend, because you, you are a sinner before God, and because that sin has condemned you to a Christless eternity in the lake of fire, you only have one hope. And it's not to pray yourself out of purgatory. It's to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin and the saving of your soul. Why don't you claim this verse right now and be saved today? The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That idea of calling 
on the name of the Lord refers to prayer. But it won't, just because you say a prayer, that's not the secret. It's believing with your heart that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Make this prayer your prayer today. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I know I deserve to go to hell, but I don't want to go to hell. Please forgive me. Come into my heart, come into my life, and save me. I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Friends, Isaiah's got a word for you. I hope that you'll listen and uh, take advantage of this opportunity. Be encouraged, friends, and remember, someone is praying for you. Thank you for listening to today's program. This week, Brother Areza is offering a CD with a clear, simple explanation of God's plan of salvation. To take advantage of this offer, dial 304-873-2225. Or you can write to him at WVGV, P.O. Box 301, West Union, West Virginia, 26456. This weekly radio program is listener-supported or is being underwritten by Eraser Revival Ministries, Incorporated of West Union, West Virginia. Do the clouds around you gather in the midst of the storm is your ship tossed and battered are you weary and worn don't lose hope someone's praying for you this very day and peace be still it's already home the way